0: campaign, and it was not done by me. It was done by all the rest of you. And I thank you, and I
1: will do my best. You're listening to The Domecast, where news and observer journalists take a look back
2: and forward in North Carolina politics. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Domecast. I'm Colin Campbell from the NC Insider. Uh, Here to talk uh, primary results this week, uh, as well as uh, budget developments. We're only a few days out from the short session's beginning, and of course, the big agenda item uh, for the next couple months is the state budget. Uh, We've got Governor Cooper's budget already um, out there as of uh, recording this on Thursday afternoon. We've also heard a few of the priorities from legislative leaders uh, and some of their thoughts about the latest uh, revenue and surplus figures. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, But we are on primary week and primary night, uh, despite being a very low turnout affair, uh, had some very interesting developments that uh, we wanted to go over. So I figure uh, we'll go around the panel and uh, talk about our most interesting races in the primary where the results were surprising or interesting in some way. Uh, And so on the panel today, we've got Andy Spey and Will Doran from the News and Observer and Lauren Horsch from the NC Insider. So uh, let's start off, uh, Will, what was your uh, biggest takeaway or most interesting uh, race that you watched uh, on Tuesday night?
1: Well, I think obviously the biggest race was Representative Robert Pittenger, the congressman uh, from outside of Charlotte, losing his primary uh, in a race that had really boiled down to who was the Trumpier candidate. Uh, you know, they, uh, he and uh, Mark Harris who ended up winning that really kind of, uh, you know, fought over who was, uh, you know, the more true conservative in that race and uh, clearly voters thought that Pittenger in his time in Congress hadn't uh, really been conservative enough or that they felt at least that Mark Harris could be more conservative. Um, and so they ousted him, and it's pretty rare that you see a sitting member of co- Congress lose. Yeah, a Yeah, I think he was
2: the only one in several years to, uh, I forget exactly how many cycles some of the national press said to lose a, a congressional primary within their own party and wasn't double bunked with an incumbent like the holding Elmer's race a couple years ago. Exactly, well, and, yeah, and that's nationally. I don't know when the
1: last time this happened in North Carolina was, something like that. Um, but probably the most surprising one uh, was also out in Western North Carolina with Justin Burr in the state legislature, uh, losing to, to his opponent, Wayne Sasser, who's a, I, I think he describes himself as a semi-retired pharmacist out there in uh, the stanley county area
2: I, I started that description i was very curious how you can be a semi-retired pharmacist like you you only uh distribute uh medicine to your friends and neighbors and you don't you know do like i think full that's time. called being a drug dealer <laughs> okay. Okay. yeah I, mr sasser we should note for the record not a drug dealer no evidence of that
1: i would assume it means that he just comes in you know for a few hours a day or once or twice a week or something but.
2: yeah yeah it was an interesting description. i think he's also on the Economic Development Commission down there, but uh, had not been involved in politics before, different than the guy who had run against Burr before um, when he had a fairly contested race a couple weeks ago. So since we're on the subject of uh, Justin Burr, Lauren, you uh, delved into this, because this was kind of caught a lot of us by surprise. I think we were looking at a couple of uh, potentially... Uh, vulnerable incumbents, and Justin Burr wasn't all that high on our list of people who might be uh, going down in flames on primary night. So, Lauren, you uh, uh, made some phone calls out to Stanley County, North Carolina, to try mm-hmm. to get a sense of uh, what went down and what went wrong for Burr.
0: Yeah, so I think a lot of us uh, here in Raleigh, like you said, Colin, didn't really think that Justin Burr would be the one to go, because he's, he's seen more as a, as a higher up. I wouldn't say he's in the leadership, but, you know, he's well-liked by leadership. They let him kind of do things that he wants take for instance the judicial redistricting um measure um but yeah tuesday night he went down um wayne sasser got about 56 percent of the vote um and no one really knew who wayne sasser was i think we joked in the insider office we were like everyone start googling wayne sasser let's figure out who he is um because we had just kind of forgotten about you know this race but you know, in my calling, you know, a lot of people in Raleigh speculated maybe it was judicial redistricting. But when I got in touch with um, the vice chairman of the Stanley County GOP, uh, Zach Almond, you know, he said, you know, the average voter in Stanley County didn't know about judicial redistricting, nor did they care about judicial redistricting. Um, it really came down to some of the vitriol from that 2016 uh primary, where Justin Burr won 51% to 49%, I think, against a former sheriff. Yeah, a guy named Lane Lane Burrers
2: from 2016.
0: Yeah. So that was a very contested race. There was a lot of just negativity in it, and a lot of that did spill over into 2018, uh, the one group, what was it, Citizens for Better Representation?
2: Yeah, it's a pack Local pack thing. In, yeah. in Stanley County. They really, they, really don't like Justin Burr. Yeah,
0: so they, they run a Facebook page called Unburden. Um, Un- Unburden us, Yeah, yeah And uh,
2: it's a picture of, like, Justin, Justin Burr, Burr wearing, like, some really fancy, like, crown or something, like he was an emperor.
0: Yeah, so it, it, they, they're really good at the internet memes, man. They, uh, they, they have make, so many they, Justin
2: Burr memes. They've got him with the... Uh, the meme with the guy looking at the more attractive the woman, woman, and they've got something for him for that. That's, and then he got the one where he's sitting at the table, "Prove Me Otherwise" or something. Yeah, there's
0: a, there's a lot of really good memes. Let me tell you, someone is on their game on that on that Facebook. Um, but, you know, they really took to Wayne Sasser and they distributed a lot of his information. I couldn't find anything that where they actually, that, that certain pack paid for any Wayne Sasser materials. Um, but they were, you know, sharing those paid for by the, you know, committee to elect Wayne Sasser, the friends of Wayne Sasser. Um, and they did have a lot of um, publicity about, you know, Justin Burr's activities as a bail bondsman and some bills that he had helped get passed in 2011 that they thought were very self-serving. Uh, for the bail bondsman community. So they were really kind of attacking him on his record from, you know, 2011 and being a bail bondsman. And, it, and it's interesting. It was, it was hard for me to try and find someone who could kind of be an unbiased observer. The chairman of the Stanley County GOP is Phil Burr, Justin Burr's father. And Zach Almond, even the guy I talked to, used to yeah, live with Justin Burr chairman. at yeah. some point. Um, so, I mean, it's, you know, it's a small, tight-knit community. And I don't think they were expecting it to happen either. Um, but Wayne Sasser was well-funded and well-liked. And, you know, though he was a you know, political newcomer, he did really well and he connected with the community, so. Yeah, that was definitely
2: it. an interesting race. And it was interesting also that uh, Burr had won in Cabarrus County, which I think yes. was relatively new to his district, uh, and then lost in Stanley. And, well, and that
0: mirrors what happened in 2016, where in his district, House Sisters 67, it was Stanley and Montgomery counties. He won in Montgomery, but, lo- but like, lost in stanley county and so that happened again where he won in Cabarrus county but lost in stanley county which is of course his home county so those are just kind of interesting just to see how those two played out
2: yeah to me this race was this sort of showed this disconnect between raleigh and the rest of the state politically because raleigh we all know justin burr he's the judicial redistricting guy he's been pushing that issue Mm -hmm. super hard for over a year now or almost a year um and then when you talk to people down there none of them Apparently, the voters down there weren't, weren't mm-hmm. paying attention to that issue, didn't know, didn't really care what no. he was up to with that. And they did
0: have some local issues that were driving voters. Like, um, Zach Allman told me there was, you know, a lot of interest in the sheriff's race because, you know, the current sheriff was being challenged by the former sheriff who actually had to change, you know, his, you know, regist- his, his, like – political affiliation from one party to the other. I forget the exact, you know, mechanisms of that. But so there was a lot of interest in the local races down there, but that still didn't, you know, prove to help out Justin Burr there. Yep, all right.
2: Uh, Any other uh, primary surprises for you, Lauren, while we're on you?
0: I mean, I think Andy will probably talk about this one, but the big one was Dwayne Hall, because I don't think a lot of us knew what was gonna happen with that one, but Beverly Boswell, um, who Andy has covered extensively as well, also went down. Rodney Moore in Mecklenburg County lost. Uh, Joel Ford in the Senate lost as well. Oh,
2: thank you. Yeah. Uh, Rodney Moore was the surprise. Not not that he lost. I knew he was vulnerable. But he got like 16% and came in third, which is really terrible for an incumbent. Well, and he
0: had some campaign finance issues that could play out over the next couple of years. Um, And on the last podcast, I talked about the double bunk districts. Um, Senator Barrett ended up losing, and then Senator Randleman was, I think, maybe a little bit of a shocker. She lost to Senator Deanna Ballard, who's a first-termer, and that's up in Watauga and Wilkes Counties. Um, So that's, you know, those were interesting from that end, but I will.
1: That'll be interesting, because Shirley Randleman, uh, she leads uh, some... Committees yeah, that she have has, been looking into prison safety and other things like that, so it'll be in. Yeah, justice and public
2: safety, safety. I yeah. guess is her committee. She
0: yeah, she's a she's a she has like three chairwoman um, positions, and one of them is in uh, JPS, justice public safety. So that, you know, we'll see if she tries to get anything through while she has time. But yeah,
1: that and just you know, do we see any hiccups on that sort of stuff going forward? You know, with changeover in leadership, probably not. But you know, you never know.
0: Yeah. Sorry.
2: All right. Uh, last uh, ask uh, Andy, your uh, big surprises, takeaways, most interesting races from uh, Tuesday night.
3: I'll say that I was most surprised by, um, I guess, Boswell. Uh, Boswell losing. I thought that her opponent, uh, Bobby Hannig, uh, would come close. Yeah,
2: Tuck uh, County Commissioner, but otherwise kind of a, a last-minute addition to this race. I think a lot of people weren't even expecting her to draw primary challenger
3: right and so um and to be honest Dwayne hall was surprising to me uh we i put out a little poll on my twitter account asking people who they thought would be most likely to lose uh pittinger hall boswell or a wake county commissioner uh, which is the county that raleigh is in and turns out they all lost pittinger lost all of the above all of the above yeah uh there i think two county commissioners lost their democratic primaries Dwayne Hall lost, Beverly Boswell lost, and Pittenger lost. Who would have expected that? All these incumbents. Um, But I think Hall, I guess I'm going back on what I said. Hall is the most surprising. Despite the allegations against him, he still had a ton of money and a ton of connections and um, name recognition, good or bad. Uh, And Dahl really didn't. No one knew who Allison Dahl was. She sort of came out of the woodworks. She's – you know, a longtime democratic activist, uh, used to help uh, disabled people, worked in New York. Um, but uh her name's not out there. I don't think she ever did a public press conference or anything. She had no money for commercials. Yeah, I don't know if I even saw a mailer. Um, and she I won, live in
2: that district and I didn't get any mailers from her. Right. Yeah. Uh, like she had sort of a sort of late push where you saw some more um, I guess more polished advertising and logos and stuff out of her campaign, but Um, She was one where this really was like right place, right time for her because she just, uh, I guess, filed on the last day. No one was expecting her to run. She said at the time, I guess, that she just wanted to sign up, get her name out there. She had no expectation of winning. We get lots of these every couple of years, people who – are new to politics, get energized, and decide to run for office knowing they probably don't have a snowball's chance in hell. Mm -hmm. Um, And then two hours after she files was when the NC Policy Watch story about the sexual harassment allegations broke, and then that race became a much different ballgame.
3: It did. And I think, you know, I talked to some of her um, consultants last night at her victory party. I'm sorry, two nights ago. And they said the media helped them. Um, They said all the negative press about Dwayne Hall, about him uh, putting the Democratic Party logo on his mailers and then us having to fact check him and say, no, he's not endorsed by the Democratic Party. And then his interaction with a woman at the Herb Young Community Center in Cary where she was distributing articles about him and he confronted her uh not to mention a couple of, i I'm, I'm sure i'm missing a couple of others they said that's really what did it is the more he was in the news the worse it was for him and the better it was for them uh so I, what does it all mean i it, it's a bad year to be an incumbent um based on everything that's been said here you know whether or not you're whether you're a congressman or uh you know a legislator it's not looking good
2: yeah, and that could you know have pretty serious consequences come November if that's if that's the mood and you know the governing party is predominantly Republican. Um, if we see more upsets uh, in November when it's more of a partisan thing as opposed to a low turnout primary with the uh, sort of the, the hardcore supporters or uh, interested politicos in, in each uh, the two major parties.
3: And shout out to Jonathan Kapler of, um, oh gosh, what's his group? NC Free Enterprise Foundation. That's right. Thank you. Um, He put together immediately um, some of the political organizations that try to forecast elections adjusted uh, Pittenger's district from, uh, I think it was lean Republican to toss up. Now that Pittenger's out and it's Mark Harris versus Dan McCready, um, that's, sort of a toss-up.
2: Yeah, I guess the idea being that uh, Mark Harris is uh, further to the right or could be perceived as further to the right than Pittenger, uh, and then he doesn't have the advantage of being an incumbent and having all the money that comes with incumbency running for re-election. Right. So that'll be interesting to see. Uh, Speaking of Kapler, I hope the man has gotten some sleep. He has tweeted up a storm this week and apparently was up for 39 hours straight, which is terrifying even by political junkie standards and
3: also dangerous get some sleep man
2: yeah if you're listening go to sleep all right um any other uh big takeaways from the races um i guess the other interesting incumbent to fall was uh senator david curtis down in uh was it lincoln county gaston county area
0: yeah uh david curtis is a senator from lincoln county and he was um he was, I want to say, almost taken down by outside groups and maybe a little bit of the, you know, not wanting to vote for the incumbent. Um, there was a group called uh, NC Citizens for Clear Action, um, and it was a group funded by eye surgeons that were really, you know, kind of targeting him because of a 2017 bill he filed that would allow optometrists, which are eye doctors, to perform surgeries Or procedures, I should say, that are usually reserved for eye surgeons, ophthalmologists. So that's getting a lot into the minutia right there. Um, And so, you know, we knew he was going to be, you know, he could be in trouble, but we didn't think, you know, he'd go down. And he lost to a guy named Ted Alexander. Uh, So that was an interesting one to see as well.
2: Yeah, and that's one of those Republican-leaning districts, Mm so a uh, decent chance that uh, Ted Alexander, who's a former Shelby mayor, I believe, um, mm-hmm. ends up uh, in the Senate. Uh, I guess another big theme uh, from the other night is uh, the success of women in a variety of, uh, of different races. Andy, you wrote something with uh, our colleague Lynn Bonner about uh, what this says about uh, women in politics.
3: That's right. And it wasn't just here where dozens of women won. Um, we mentioned Allison Dahl beating Dwayne Hall, but and you know he had those allegations against him. Uh, and Linda Coleman and the— uh, Democratic primary. Uh, she beat Ken Romley and will take on George Holding in November. But also um, a couple, uh, at least one Republican, Vicki Sawyer, beat uh, former state senator Bob Rucho. Uh, Bob Rucho, former powerful uh, legislator, uh, lost in this district. And people said she just uh, knew more people, raised more money, and he I don't think he even lives in the district. No, does he, he
2: had moved into the district uh, just in time for filing. So he'd lived in Mecklenburg County, and it was, that was where he'd served in the Senate before, moved to Mooresville in southern Iredell County to run in this newly created district of Iredell and Yadkin. And evidently, the voters there said uh, between. Rucho, uh, who'd moved in at the last minute, and A.J. Dowd, the funeral director who moved into his funeral home in Yadkin County to run, uh, they wanted somebody who had uh, perhaps established their bona fides as a local, uh, and that apparently was Vicki Sawyer, who even ran on I'm the local candidate, which was a not-so-subtle dig at her opponents.
3: Hey, it worked. Um, But it wasn't just here. We had dozens of women here um, on Democrats and Republicans, but one thing that we pointed out in our story, uh, which is at Newsobserver.com is that uh, in four states with primaries on Tuesday, North Carolina, Indiana, Ohio, and West Virginia, 62% of the women uh, who ran for U.S. House won their primaries. 62% is a huge number. Um, And, you know, it, it has people thinking, is this sort of a moment or is this a movement? You know, will women continue voting as a block? And will, you know, is this, you know, are they winning because, you know these primaries that you're just up against your own your own team, so to speak. Uh, are, are, how competitive will they be in November? Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Uh, that was, but yeah, that was one other. Yeah, uh, one interesting away.
2: thing. and I guess another one. Back on the the Vicky Sawyer Bob Rucho race, I felt like it was, uh, in some respects, a bad night for Phil Berger, even though he did not have a primary. Um, the Senate Republican Caucus is a, a pretty tight knit group, and several of the folks. Um, in his sort of uh, leadership team or at least some of the uh, most loyal folks uh, in the the Senate Republicans uh, faced a tough primary. Some managed to survive, like Senator Andy Wells, who had three different primary opponents uh, and managed to come out okay. Uh, But then you had David Curtis, who we talked about, Bob Rucho, who uh, had some support from the Senate folks trying to get him back in there where he'd been doing tax policy and uh, redistricting type stuff. Uh, And then on the coast, the race between Clark Twitty and Representative Bob Steinberg Uh, Senate Republicans really, really did not want Bob Steinberg in the Senate. Um, They said he was ineffective, that he didn't get along with his colleagues. Um, But Steinberg, in turn, said that their favorite candidate, this uh, Dare County real estate guy uh, by the name of Clark Twitty – was uh, the their preferred candidate, but Steinberg attacked him for be, having donated to Roy Cooper and Mark Basnight in the past. So that ended up being one of the most colorful races. Uh, yeah, and, and, and I the think fickle pickle.
0: and I, and I think that that donation to you know Roy Cooper really is probably what did twitty in in that district. And I mean Steinberg's pretty well known down there too. But I think a lot of the people. In Senate District One, did not look kindly to that. So, yeah, I know. I, mean, I know. Steinberg had really run on the fact that he he was calling himself a true conservative. Um, but yeah, that'll be an interesting you know thing to watch. Does Clark Twitty go back to running for lieutenant governor? Yeah, that was his original because plan, if you, yeah. yeah, if you remember back before he was running for Senate, he was running for lieutenant governor. So is that his next step? He lost Senate, so does he go you know try and move up a little bit?
2: So. Yeah, we'll see. Because I always wondered if his Senate run was sort of a Overture to that because when I first encountered his name was uh, in the GOP convention a year or so ago where they were handing out Clark Twitty for lieutenant governor bumper stickers. I'm thinking Clark who? He came to Conway, like, what, what's the deal with this guy? And he'd just sort of first come on the scene, or at least on my radar screen in that. So uh, we'll, we'll be watching him. and We'll also be watching to see uh, how well Bob Steinberg, if he's uh, elected in November, uh, gets along with the other, uh, other Senate Republicans. So I think that covers all the uh, major takeaways from uh, Tuesday night's primary. So let's jump over uh, to a little bit of a look ahead at the uh, legislative session, because uh, we got some pretty big budget developments this week. Will, you covered both the um, conference call with legislative leaders about uh, some of their priorities and uh, their take on the uh, revenue picture as well as the uh, announcement Thursday about Cooper's budget. Uh, What are the big issues going to be between uh, the governor's office and the legislative folks?
1: Well, the big issue in general is going to be teacher pay. Uh,
2: The same day, Wednesday, that
1: the legislature comes back for this, we're going to have the teacher protests in Raleigh. There's probably going to be thousands of them, you know, some of the state's biggest districts have just shut down so that teachers are going to be able to come here because you know they, they were not sure if they were even going to have enough teachers in the classrooms uh, to even have school that day so that's gonna I think kind of set the scene uh, when we come in for these budget talks and like you said uh, you know we've we've gotten kind of uh, well we've gotten the full budget proposal from the governor and kind of a, a tentative picture from the legislative leaders of what they're looking at um, on Monday, uh, Phil Berger and Tim Moore came out and they said, "Great news! We've got this budget surplus." Uh, they gave credit to the tax cuts that they have passed. They said those have spurred the economy and you know given us this extra money. Um, and so they are uh, thinking that they can add about uh, 275 million dollars to the budget. Um, probably people know that you know already this year's budget was passed in kind of a draft form last year because the the legislature always does budgets two years at a time. Uh, So now they're just back to kind of tweak what they've already approved.
2: Yeah, spend any extra money that showed up and they weren't perfecting
1: a year ago. Exactly, or new issues that have popped up that didn't even exist a year ago, like Gen X, you know, um, things like that. So they think that they've got around $275 million uh, to add to the budget. Um, Roy Cooper, however, on Thursday came out and said that he wants to spend even more money than that. He's advocating for uh, several hundred million dollars extra on top of that $275 million. Uh, got a pretty frosty reaction from Phil Berger immediately on Thursday. Uh, he called it basically just a, a political stunt. Um, and uh, I think the reason why uh, Berger believes that is because uh, Cooper focused a lot on giving raises to teachers and to state employees. Uh, his budget he proposed. Uh, would give a larger raise than the legislature plans to give to teachers. The Legislature plans next year for teachers to get around a 5 to 6 percent raise on average, and Cooper said that his budget would give an 8 percent raise on average, Um, and he would also take care of some veteran teachers who aren't getting anything in the legislative plan. Um, And then uh, Cooper would also give uh, state employees what would actually be the biggest raise in a decade uh, for state employees. Everyone would get at least twelve fifty dollars, and then uh, people who make a lot of money would get a two percent raise. And then also people who work in state law enforcement jobs like highway patrol or who work in prisons or in mental hospitals would get an extra thousand dollars on top of that. so they would get you know two or three thousand dollars total. Um, and that was the big the big chunk of uh, Cooper's budget. He also, wanted to set some extra money aside uh, for Hurricane Matthew uh, recovery spending, Colin, you and I wrote a story about that, oh gosh, maybe two weeks ago now, yeah. how Cooper was being criticized over, uh, you know, his administration being kind of slow to uh, to get things going on Hurricane Matthew recovery.
2: Yeah, and that seems like it had a potential to become a political issue, so I think some of that budget document is responding to that and sort of taking back the ground as uh, the person who's trying to do the most about Hurricane Matthew. Exactly. Um,
1: and. Uh, kind of on that same note, he put some, some extra money, around $184 million, into the state's rainy day fund for future emergencies. Um, obviously that's been a big uh, priority of the Republicans as well, to put more money into the rainy day fund. So that might even be somewhere that they can find some bipartisan agreement. There's some other issues that um, uh, might be bipartisan. Uh, Cooper was actually talking about he wants to lower the taxes that businesses pay for um, unemployment insurance. Um, which is odd. You don't often hear, you know, Democrats uh, talking about cutting taxes. Um, but he also wants to freeze a uh, tax cut that is supposed to go into effect uh, for corporations next year. So that would kind of be his.
2: Uh, yeah, He's and that's something Republicans there. have already attacked him for within, I guess, like forty-five minutes of that uh, budget press <laughs> conference. Exactly. You were very, after very fast
1: to jump on that, and Cooper was quick to point out, "Hey, even in my budget proposal, everyone in the state, every at least every individual person in the state, will pay less in taxes next year." Um, but his plan would just uh, hold off the corporate tax rate uh, decrease, and then also for the very uh, wealthiest individuals would. Have a uh, would keep the same current tax rate for income over two hundred thousand uh, dollars. So people who are millionaires would still pay the lower tax rate on their, you know, on their first two hundred thousand dollars of uh, of money, but on everything above that, they'd pay what they're paying this year.
2: Okay. So uh, and then I guess that sort of influences like the amount of money that could be spent in next year's budget. So inherently, even if the legislators like some of the programs and proposals Cooper has, uh, in order to keep that tax cut around, um, they're gonna probably have to chop a lot of that exactly yeah that paid I, I believe
1: Cooper uh, planned to use those tax changes to uh, to pay for basically the teacher raises yeah so legislators have have that choice in his budget um, and clearly uh, you know Berger was not a very big fan of that and he has said that they're thinking of possibly doing bonuses for teachers. Uh, Burger did, but... Uh, yeah,
2: for, like, specialized areas or particular levels of expertise, I think was mentioned in yeah. a uh, uh, press call earlier this week. Uh, he also didn't rule out the pos- prospect of more tax cuts, which I thought was interesting, so there's already some set to go into effect that... Uh, We'll exactly sure. well
1: you know he said nothing's really on the table we haven't been talking about it but you never know maybe
2: someone will bring it up
1: and it'll be compelling so it, it didn't really sound like that you know had any
2: yeah way and we're course. still a little ways out from starting session so the negotiations are going on uh, apparently the Senate budget I guess is going to be out in early June uh, with the goal of, of getting something passed uh, by the end of June so we'll see how all this stuff uh, fares in the coming weeks um, And I think that about covers it for uh, the budget developments this week. Well, I'm sure we'll be talking more and more about that in the next few weeks, and uh, all you budget nerds can uh, nerd out over the uh, exciting coming domecast in which we get even deeper into the weeds of the budget debates. So you have that to look forward to. Uh, But for now, we're going to take a break, real quick, and uh, be back in a moment with Headliner of the Week.
0: Hey, I found a toy dinosaur over on the playground by Smith Street. Uh, It had this phone number on it, and, well, I just wanted to make sure the dinosaur made it back to its little owner.
1: When I found the little sippy
3: cup, I just had to give you a call. It's for a kid, you know?
0: I know my son gets super attached to the smallest things, even a fire truck, and I'd be happy to drop it off. We'd do anything for kids, yet one in six children in the U.S. struggle with hunger. Help end childhood hunger near you. Learn how at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council.
3: Headliner of the week. Headliner of the week. Headliner of the week. Headliner
1: of the week. Headliner of the week. Headliner Headliner of of the week. week. Headliner of the week. Who's
2: hot? And welcome back to Domecast. I'm Colin Campbell from The Insider. Time for everyone's favorite segment on the podcast, Headliner of the Week, where we ask our panelists uh, to name the biggest headliner or headline of the past week in North Carolina political and other news. Um, And we'll start off with Will Doran, since you've got a microphone in front of you. Uh, Will, who's your headliner?
1: I'm going to go with Young Dolph.
2: Is he running for office?
1: Uh, Well, not yet. Uh, Maybe (laughs) recent events will inspire him to run for something. Who knows? But uh, no, he is a a rapper uh, whose music got two baristas at Duke University fired from their jobs. Uh, They were uh, They say they were playing a Spotify playlist And one of his songs came on And a vice president of Duke uh, Came in to order his uh, vegan muffin That he He's a regular there and always gets a vegan muffin Don't um, forget
0: the hot tea And hot
1: tea, right (laughs) And uh, he did not approve of Mr. Dolph's lyrics and according to the baristas, got them fired. He called up the company, Joe Van Gogh, that owns this coffee shop on campus and said, hey, you need to fire these people. And,
2: and the song was Get Paid, right? And of course, these people, I guess, not going to get paid as a result of... Ironically, yes. Um,
1: <laughs> so it, it just really blew up. Um, and now uh, the coffee shop has come out and apologized. But as far as I know, the last I've seen, the, the people still haven't... Gotten their jobs back, and the university hasn't really. Said yeah, anything there's been about some it. kind of
2: apology from uh, Larry Monetta, I guess is the name of the uh, vice chancellor, saying that he he didn't intend for people to get yeah. fired over it. He just and wanted th- the song to be properly censored without f-bombs and, and words. And I think and
0: Vincent Price, the university president, just issued something too. But.
2: Yeah, but definitely they're turning into to national news over a, a rap song at Duke.
1: Yeah, it, it's quickly it's quickly going
2: and uh, young
1: Dolph himself has weighed in and there's all sorts of developments, so I'm sure by the time people listen to this there will be two more stories about it that have been published on our website. Yep. But uh, it's just a, a fascinating saga of kind of the, the minutia of university life and you know the the internal politics that you never know as a barista that you might have to deal with.
2: Yeah, a fascinating story out of Duke, and uh, as a Carolina grad, I like to say that this is a particularly Duke like Duke story. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'll probably hear from some Duke fans who will uh, challenge me on that. So uh, Young Dolph is in the hat for headliner of the week, and we'll go next to Lauren Horsch. Lauren, who's your headliner?
0: A man named Coconut Charlie. Just kidding. No. Um, so really, <laughs> I yeah, I don't know how to. You know, Really choose this headliner, but basically a lot of groups are coming out with some child care options for families um, In you know the districts that are closing on Wednesday, May 16th for teachers to participate in the uh, Teacher rally or red for ed, whatever we're calling it these days Um, But one came out uh, the state GOP is going to have you know some options available at a place called Coconut Charlie's bump and bounce which I assume is like a bounce house of some kind yeah. I not I what don't the know. name would
2: connote in your mind if you're thinking about politicians and yes uh, Coconut um, Charlie
0: so this is something that went <laughs> out and so this is an option for parents you can't just drop your kids off and go so the parents have to be with them um, but you know this morning we were in a meeting uh, with some editors and we were joking how how fun it would be to be in a bounce house with Dallas Woodhouse. Uh, so
2: yeah, he he. Sounds like who will be there? Uh, yes.
0: So and they
2: also have homework help. So if you need some help working references to free markets into your uh, essay for school, uh, the Republican Party is there to help you.
0: Yes. So we're trying to see if we can get um our colleague Rob Christensen out there to write a column. Maybe get in the bounce house with Dallas. Who knows? But so I guess I'll throw Coconut Charlie in the hat for headliner of the week. All right. So,
2: so Coconut Charlie in there along with Young Dolph. Um, so uh, we'll go next. Uh, we've got a special guest during the panel now, uh, Brant Wilkerson, new from the Greensboro News and Record, who's a sports reporter, but we're dragging him in to do politics here because he just so happens to be uh, uh, dating someone on the panel who you all have heard from before. And He's, he's-
0: giving me a ride home. This is why he's here.
2: Yeah. But uh, we'll make put him to work and uh, have him join the Domecast panel while he's in the building. So, Brant, who's your headliner?
0: I'm go- i I got to go with
4: uh, Robert Williams, Jr., who I guess is the mayor-elect for now. I'm not sure if that's going to hold up, who um, – after winning the election of uh, in Sharpsburg, which is a town up in Wilson, Nash, and Edgecombe counties, apparently a tri-county area, uh, celebrated a little too much and got himself a DUI, resisted arrest, and you know, all around, just uh, I guess he went for the gusto. If you're going to get a DUI, you're going to have a big night. You might as well get as many of those charges as you can in there. So.
2: Yeah. Have a, gun, run a fun night with the police after you learn you won. This was, I guess, a long time coming for him. I wrote about the Sharpsburg case uh, months ago where there was an issue about ballots in the November election last year. Uh, they ended up having to hold a new election because people weren't able to vote. Uh, some of them are supporters of this guy. Uh, now that those folks were able to vote, I guess, uh, he wins, but uh, then uh, decides to celebrate uh, allegedly a little bit too hard.
1: Yeah, I had seen in our article, apparently there's some conspiracies springing up that, you know, maybe he's uh, he's being framed or something like that. Well, I noticed so- the mayor
2: that he beat was really quick to jump in that story and hate on the guy and said, well, I'd- I guess they elected it a drunk as the mayor. So, uh, obviously, uh, no love lost between those two after that election.
3: It's easy to spin your way out of this, though, right? You say, I'm just so excited to be the mayor of... <laughs> Or of of the, uh, is it mayor or sheriff? Mayor. Mayor. Yeah, the mayor of this city.
0: If it was sheriff, this would be a different story. Yeah.
3: But, I mean, come on. Uh, That has to be the best excuse, right? Just excited to be your mayor.
0: Well, if you
4: finally take down the Sharpsburg deep state, I mean, (laughs) how how else are you supposed to celebrate but with a couple of natty lights and maybe go for a little drive, And so uh, supposedly a concerned motorist. Called yeah. him in who said that uh, this really reeks of, of deep state. This, to this, me. Yeah, this How many people are in there in Sharpsburg
2: theory. to pay attention to who's driving at night?
4: Exactly. I mean, they are. Nosy th- neighbors. Th- <laughs> he, he got 51% of the vote at, uh, I think, 169 votes. So just. Uh, this just high turnout for this
2: yeah this is a strange election sharpsburg is evidently an interesting place that perhaps we should all investigate further so uh, for that uh sharpsburg mayor is in the hat for headline of the week thanks for that brant and last but not least uh we'll go to andy spay andy who's your headliner
3: i'm gonna go back to durham where we're going to uh continue the theme of uh hateful rhetoric uh the durham county sheriff uh mike andrews is my headliner and he made uh before the uh young dolph duke joe van gogh coffee uh story came out uh durham was in the news because it's uh county sheriff uh posted amen on facebook and normally that's an innocuous innocent thing to say but he posted the word amen under another person's post which said durham you better not sit apathetically on your tails tomorrow, as city block voters, uh, immigrants and minorities will flock to the polls.
2: So they're worried about people shaped like blocks who are going to go to the polls, or did they get an O confused with an A?
3: I don't think that's it, Colin. <laughs> I think I think it's uh, racially tinged, as some oh, okay. would say. Uh, and he warned of uh, city special interests will uh, vote out the old and man, and you don't want to... you. You won't like the ethnic side uh, take over. It's grammatically uh, not the best worded post. As
2: internet posts often aren't,
3: right? And so uh, it's unclear whether Sheriff Mike Andrews is the one who posted the word "amen." He said "amen, Bobby" is what he posted, uh, but that got him in some hot water. He said later that he didn't agree with uh, the the person that allegedly works for his campaign that said amen and support of this uh, controversial post. But um, I can't remember, how did he do on Tuesday night? Not well, he, <laughs> he, he lost, he lost. Uh,
0: pretty, pretty handily too. So uh, Clarence Burkhead did beat uh, Mike Andrews uh, for the Durham County Sheriff and um, Clarence Burkhead to kind of tie it all back together, used to be the uh, chief of police at Duke University. Oh so um, he's a, he was also the chief of police in Hillsborough, um, but Ta- Mike Andrews not successful.
3: Time is a flat circle in uh, Durham.
4: Voting was very hard in Durham for some people. Apparently, there were a lot a lot of people out there that that wanted to vote uh, in the Democratic primary but were registered as Republicans and were unable to vote, and thus uh, accused Durham of more election shenanigans as they tend to do every year when things go poorly.
2: Yep. It's a conspiracy to keep uh, Republicans from voting for Democrats um, in their we, primaries. Do we need to point out that that's not allowed? If you're yeah. a
3: registered Republican, or yeah. you cannot vote in the yeah, Democratic here, here, primary. <laughs> here's a
2: voting life hack if you'd like to choose which primary ballot you want to vote in. It's called voting, registering unaffiliated. Uh, The advantage is you can pick which primary ballot you want You can be a Democrat one year, you can vote Republican another year Um, And the only disadvantage is if uh, you want to run for office uh, You've got to file a petition and it's a pain in the butt And then you should probably register with the party But if not, unaffiliated, uh, the way to go uh, to avoid these kind of situations But anyway, that's a long tangent off of uh, Sheriff Mike Andrews of Durham For a uh, Facebook trouble incident uh, is a possible headline of the week So we've got that uh, we've got the Sharpsburg new mayor, um, and we've got Young Dolph, and we've got Coconut Charlie, the uh, Republican child care option next week when uh, schools will be closed for the teacher protests.
3: Can so. I just say, this is like the best uh, field of options I've think <laughs> we've ever had.
2: I know, it's going to be really hard for me to, uh, to pick one out of that, but uh, I guess we should return to the original theme of this podcast that we start off with of uh, Tuesday's primary since it is an election week still, although we've got lots of other interesting stories uh, com- competing with that now. So that leaves uh, Mike Andrews and the Sharpsburg Mayor uh, as the two contenders. And uh, only one of those was an election winner. So I guess I have to go with the uh, Sharpsburg Mayor uh, whose name I've already forgotten. But... Um. <laughs> I
3: think Drunk Mayor is his official name now. Yeah. Allegedly, like drunk, allegedly drunk Mayor. Allegedly
2: Drunk
0: mayor. I think we're yeah. going to have a new SNL character. We used to have Drunk Uncle but now Drunk Mayor. Yeah. Robert? Allegedly
2: for now I allegedly, should say. Allegedly.
4: Sorry. <laughs> Robert Williams Jr.
2: Okay. Robert Williams Jr. is our winner and uh Brant is the winning panelist uh for stopping by and uh joining us on his way to other festivities. Uh so that'll do it for this week's uh Domecast. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Colin Campbell from The Insider. We'll talk to you next week.